Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute, I have a doctor in the house. Excited to have her own. As I'm thinking in my heyday, I sure could have used her expertise to distress and relax this crazy mind of mine while on a roller coaster of a ride career-wise. She is a licensed clinical psychologist who spent 21 years with the FBI before Retiring, I guess you could say. Hope she's going to lay down some stories that aren't so confidential anymore, sort of like uh, The Departed, I'm thinking, the movie. She now shares a lot of her incredible wealth of knowledge with the student-athletes at Vanderbilt University. She's trained in the applied practice of sport and performance psychology, where she also works with elite performance issues and other areas of need. Besides sports athletics on the college and professional level, She extends her workload to the performing arts, high-performance occupations such as policemen and firemen, even business performance via her applications. I'm laying on the couch as we speak. Please say hey, hey, hey to Dr. Vicki Woosley. Hey, Vicki. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I appreciate it. Are you in Nashville as we speak? I am indeed. So, Vicki, did you... uh, what got you to Nashville? Was it the move for Vanderbilt, or did you uh, just sort of see that as a a nice little area to uh, you know to to get your business started when you left the feds? No, actually, my parents had moved to a small town right outside of Nashville, and since I had been away from home for so long. Um, I thought it was time to come back a little closer, and Nashville seemed like a great place to land. And lucky for me, Vanderbilt had an opening, and the rest is history. you got to take me back uh, to your college days. Did you ever see the FBI as uh, a place that you'd spend uh, so much of your working time or the first half of your career? Never in a million years. (laughs) Okay, so take me, how, how did it all go down? Well, when I graduated from college, I got a master's degree, had to apply. My advisor said, you've got to start applying for a job, so I did. (laughs) I applied for a job um, as a dean of women, and I got that job. And while in that job, um, recruiters come on campus. They came on campus, and they encouraged me to apply. 
and ideas, and off I went. Wow. Did you do, where did you do your undergrad? At Louisiana Tech. Okay. Okay, so just I'm, I'm trying to figure out how you ended up in Louisiana. Where were you born and raised? In Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, okay. Well, then you know what good food is like. Obviously. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't sound any, you, you have no uh, sort of, you know, bio uh, Cajun accent at all. Well, if my mom was in the room, it would definitely come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first time I talked to you, I actually said, I wonder if she's from England. But then now, as I've, I've gotten to talk to you now, uh, obviously you're not from England. <laughs> but uh, No. <laughs> okay, so you go there, you go to La Tech. Did you get your master's there as well? I got my first master's at Louisiana Tech, yes. And then where do you go off to get your doctorate? I got my doctorate in Washington, D.C. Okay, and then at this point, you, you start, does it start, you know, like a, any doctor in any profession, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to specialize in, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how did the FBI come calling? Well, one of the things that I was, when I went to the FBI Academy, one thing that really stuck with me is how do they take someone like myself who had never fired a weapon and they take you from novice to expert in 14 to 16 weeks? And I thought that's a phenomenal learning platform that they have. And I also was able to witness some of my, and experience some of my own anxiety, because if you're not able to complete the assignments at the FBI or you don't have proficiency, then you go home, Hmm. meaning you don't have a job. Right. So the pressure is real. And, And I felt like I learned so much about myself, number one, that we're all capable of so much more than we think when it really comes down to it, and also how I responded under pressure. What did that anxiety do to me? How did I cope with it? You know, did it make me better? Did it um, decrease my abilities? And so that became my platform for my dissertation, is studying how anxiety impacts people. Hmm. You know, that I was going to ask the question. I was trying to, mm-hmm. and I think maybe you, you semi-answered it, but maybe you can elaborate a little further. How did you separate yourself from the emotion of people going through some really hard, heavy stuff, like if they're undercover? As you probably know, I, I did work covertly. Um, and I think that's also a, a very different kind of pressure because you're building a relationship with someone that you know you're going to betray. Hmm. And your character has to be so solid because many people think criminals are not very smart. Well, that's not true. They're very smart. And in particular, in this age with um, computers, Internet, they can use them just like we can. And, and I think that uh, eventually I wound up in a unit that did what I call the checkup from the neck up. Mm-hmm. where people working in undercover operations had to have a psychological evaluation um, every, you know, six months or so, depending on the operation, just to make sure that they were solid, you know, because they have a life outside, mm-hmm. and then they have another life that they're trying to live. Like they're playing a role, can, correct? Yes, 
Absolutely. And as we know, life itself is not tidy. You deal with athletes. So let's jump to that. An athlete okay. uh, deals with pressure differently from somebody that's working undercover or are there some similarities, some common threads, or is it just are both so different? No, I, I think there are many, many parallels. Now, working undercover, those, those bullets in those criminal guns were real, just as those golf balls on the course are real. And, you know, our body physiologically responds to anxiety the same way. When we perceive a threat, whether it's real or imagined, our brain does the same thing. Many people refer to it as the fight-or-flight response. Hmm. You know, some people freeze. Some people go into it head-on. And, you know, it's been around since man has been around. Now, we don't have to worry about saber-toothed tigers, but we might have to worry about what's my coach going to say if I mess up? What are people going to think of me if I mess up? Right. And, And I think everybody has a certain way of coping with stress. The biggest step, I think, for everyone is find out how you respond. Some people, there are two types of anxiety, state and trait. State anxiety is, if I say, Steve, I get really nervous when I get up in front of a crowd to give a speech, but I'm not nervous in general, like talking one-on-one. I'm, I'm fine. So that's state anxiety. Trait anxiety is somebody who generally feels that the world is a scary place. Every morning when they step out, they begin to think, is my car going to start? Am I going to have a flat tire? And what if this? They're full of what Dr. Seuss wrote a book on about the what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? That sort of thing. Right. Okay, so can you go, well, can you train the mind and someone that is built to freeze when pressure comes to getting to the point where they can take on uh, their dilemma, their obstacle in front of them as good as someone that is naturally built to do it? Wow, what a great question. You can train them, um, but I believe the answers are inside of the person that you're working with. Can I expose them to, to some techniques and to some biofeedback and other forms of, you know, coping mechanisms that will help? Yes. Someone with trait anxiety is likely not not to enjoy the training, mm-hmm. you know. The first big thing is you have to say to me, I don't want to be this way. Right. I want things to be different. And for people to do something different is really, really hard. It's like belief, Steve, that truth and belief are two different things. Just because you believe it, it doesn't make it true. Right. I get that. We're talking to Vicki Woosley, Dr. Vicki Woosley. You're in a Mississippi Minute. It's only going to get better. Uh, I am still laying on the couch, but I do have a large cup of coffee, and uh, I'm excited about today. We'll be right back.
Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When I was 16, I knew everything. Opportunity grew. Steve Azar, I'm back in a Mississippi Minute with Dr. Vicki Woosley. Uh, she has spent a great deal of her life dealing with, as we just heard, people dealing with different types of pressure. Uh, nerves, I guess. So for anybody that does anything great, they deal with a certain amount of nerves and they're able to harness them, uh, you know, uh, and and deal with them and succeed. So let's talk maybe Tiger. So Tiger Woods, it's almost like he he gets a charge and it's he, he goes into another gear and it's almost like he can't wait for it that moment to arrive how does he do and how does he prepare himself and is is it just something that he's born with was it a lot of what his dad did versus another player that may be out there that is so good and maybe uh thinks they're prepared and when they they go head up with him just like recently at the masters so many great players faltered and he just remains so calm we see the calm but what's going on inside and how is he able to handle it better than than so many others for all these generations, I guess. I mean, I say generate all these decades. Well, I I don't know him personally and don't know the work he's done, but obviously from his last um, tournament and his beautiful green jacket, um, it's obvious that he has done some work. And he obviously found a way because his life got a little messy. Mm-hmm. And I think he had to get to a point where he had to decide... What's getting in the way right. of me getting what I want? Do, do you think and, also the fact that maybe, I, I mean, I look at something as on the surface, like his kids now are at an age where he wanted to impress them, impress them not only as an athlete, but as a dad and a human being. And, and I always feel like that maybe that would have been an extra driving force of incentive that, man, you're a dad now. Absolutely. I think just as no matter how old we get, we don't want to disappoint our parents. It's something that's sort of inherently inside of us. And I think perhaps that he did not want his children to remember him as the guy who had made it, fell from grace, was always in pain. And now they've seen that his talent got him so far. But really what we saw the other day was hard work, and effort. Right. So as you get older and, and your body doesn't respond to what the way it used to, and you know that, right? And, and you got to <laughs> yes. use your mind, right? It's just the way it is. And yes. you're competing against people with that are fearless and young, right? How Correct. do you How do you cope with pressure when your body isn't what it was? Then I, I think that's where you have to learn. You have to be self-aware enough to know how can I still accomplish things. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. That's one of my favorite quotes. And and I think that it would be a mistake at any age to compare yourself to anyone else. Instead of looking outside, people need to look within. What do I have? I could say easily that maybe age gave Tiger the edge, that he realized that everything else was just the only thing important on that day was he really played golf one shot at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. You can get ahead of yourself in golf. I mean, I, I, I love the game. 
And the, the worst thing you can do is start looking ahead rather than looking at the moment, and especially the one you're in. Uh, and uh, of all the games, and maybe a lot of games are similar, but in that game, you, and, you know, you're sort of on your own. You've got your caddy sort of, I guess, right. as, your, as your shrink next to you. A lot of times they, I feel like they're psychologists. And it, yeah. it'd be good to have one. Like, you'd be a great caddy <laughs> to have on the back because you see them start to talk to each talk to themselves right and then they they so many of them have so many idiosyncrasies and and like all the uh the little quirks that they do either either Correct. their eyes are moving funny or they're shrugging their shoulders or they're there's these constant things that they do and uh i guess i see a lot of caddies try to keep them in the moment correct yes absolutely i think a good caddy Think about who are the people that we talk to the most. And we talk to them the most because generally there's no fear of judgment. And I would say those are hairdressers, barbers, <laughs> bartenders, right? Right. You're right. There's no judgment. So I think a good caddy is somebody that you know has your best interest at heart. They don't have an agenda for you other than you being successful. Right. And they're able to recognize Hey, you're getting a little tight on the grip, you know, or breathe. Many athletes, it doesn't matter what the sport, many performers, one of the things they don't realize is breathing is your life jacket. Right. And, and to be a team player and have people around you you depend on versus an individual that's playing a sport like tennis singles or, or you know, or basketball I'm sorry, basketball is a team sport if you're playing singles and tennis or golf and you're on your own when it comes yeah. to the actual movement, you know, the actual, uh, uh, you know, just it's you're, you're, you're playing an individual sport versus a team sport. How do, do people uh, respond to that? I mean, does it, does it help someone knowing they've got support? Do they use it as a crutch? Uh, and what makes a guy want to do or a girl, an athlete, want to go solo? I think one thing that we know about those sports that you mentioned is the transition. That's what makes the transition from high school to college difficult is because you go from pretty much as a tennis player playing as an individual. Then you come to college and you're playing on a team. And for some people, that's so difficult. They know they can handle disappointment, but they don't want to disappoint their teammates. So if they're the clutch, if they're the one that's on the court, they need their match to be won so they can get the point, you know, that can create pressure that they've never experienced before. That's just wild. And so I think, it, yeah, it is a little different. And for golfers, let's say they weren't on a golf team at a high school. They always played at the club. They were always played as an individual. They can experience the same thing. It's like, oh. The guys are going to really be mad at me if I don't make this putt, you know? And they start right. thinking about things that they can't control. And I tell them, your folk, many times a coach will say, I need you to focus. They tell them to focus, but they don't tell them what to focus on. Right. Well, it's, a, it's an easy thing. Hey, focus. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's got a big, it's a big umbrella. It's got a lot underneath it. You got Yeah, you got to hone in, don't you, on exactly what. They do need to focus on. I get that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, that athlete is going to focus on, when I get off this golf course, I can go do this. Instead of focus on the, when you're making a putt that's no further than the end of your arm, I tell them, don't you brush your teeth every morning? 
Yeah. I have them close their eyes, put a toothbrush in their hand, and say, now bring that to your mouth. And they do it, and they never miss. Right. And I said, think about that the next time you have a putt that's that far away. I'm going to do that. done this a million <laughs> times. Wow. So, verse, okay, so coming from the FBI where you were dealing with a lot of life and death situations, right, to athlete, athletics where, well, it's really not life or death, but it, it matters a whole lot, right? The Correct. difference in the two, are they astronomical or, or not? No. The response is not so different. You know, the consequences, yes. But these athletes developmentally in college, they realize they are in what I call a performance-based relationship. And so they know their performance matters. But if they focus just on that outcome, they're not investing in their own process. What did you come here to do? Because I tell them, who you are as a person is always going to trump anything that you do. Always. Wow. It's amazing. We're talking to Dr. Vicki Woosley. Mississippi is the birthplace of American music, and I know you do call home now Nashville, where Music City is. But yeah. uh, we've had so many greats. So you get to play DJ. Would you like to hear a little Elvis Presley or Muddy Waters? Oh, I think I'll take a little Muddy Waters. I love it. We're with Dr. Vicki Woosley. You're in a Mississippi Minute, and I love some Muddy. We'll be right back. You know my candy. I can all night. Well, you know I can make a plenty, honey, when your man is not at home. Hey there, guys. I wanted to tell you about our Mockingbird Music Series, a bi-monthly musical dinner series featuring intimate performances with some of my pals and Nashville's best, telling the stories behind their hits and performing them as originally written. Music City is known for showcasing its great songwriters at such historical venues as the Bluebird Cafe, Puckett's Grocery, among others. So in similar fashion, with a little twist, I'm excited to be bringing my friends and this Music City tradition to the birthplace of America's music right here in Mississippi. We started in Greenville to three consecutive sold-out shows. Now we've added Hernando and Oxford with more destinations to follow. The evening also includes dinner created by a local chef. Seats are limited. To find out more and to sign up for the mailing list and or to buy tickets, go to my website, steveazar.com. That's steveazar.com and scroll down toward the bottom and then click on the Mockingbird Music Series logo. It's a heck of a night. Hope to see you there. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with Dr. Vicki Woosley during the Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because that is how we roll. We're getting the story out. Okay, I want to go back now. I didn't mean to turn this into a, a to all about golf, but it is a sport that requires a lot of uh, handling of pressure, and you brought that up. So the the... 
toughest situation that you were ever in. Were there any cases looking back that truly challenged you uh, that almost seemed like there was nothing you could do? I mean, like got really difficult. Uh, Yes. I think that what I found out on my own was that when you are working undercover and you are with the bad guys every day, um, one of the psychological concerns we have is that you're going to really start to think, ah, you know, what they're doing is not so bad. And, you know, you might even start to like them. They're people, after all. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they probably aren't all bad. The other thing is your agent side has responsibilities. Your supervisor is always on you. You know, have you written your, have you done your paperwork? Have you turned in evidence? Blah, blah, blah. So who wouldn't want to be with the bad guys more? They're not asking you to do anything. Right. (laughs) That's a good point. Right? Right. Right. Can I ask you what you enjoy working the most on as far as profession that you get a charge out of the most? Or you feel like, you know what, I'm really good at this? Or do you like the, the change for your, you know, for your own self, good. I mean, like, you know, I'll work with songwriters and musicians and, and, uh, you know, all of them are a little different. They want something different. Their goals are different. And, uh, it's, they're all, and they're all so unique, uh, as far as, uh, you know, the music they like, the style, their voice, uh, the way they, uh, their dialogue, uh, is converted to lyric, they're all unique. Everybody's got something that's a little different, especially when you're from a small town. There's something about uh, being able to write in a worldly manner that's so unique uh, that and and it's so conversational and uh, and it translates so well to the masses. What's what's the one element that you love to work with the most or profession that you really feel comfortable with? And then maybe what's the one that's the most difficult? Well, I think that I'm in that profession. I think I have, I love my job. I loved my job with the FBI. Um, I love my job here with athletes. The biggest, uh, the first thing that I, I tell, um, we have a football camp every summer, and the first, I give them survival tips. And the first one I give them is don't put the key to your happiness in anyone else's pocket. Hmm. And so when I can see them developmentally start to take control of their own happiness and, and go on their own journey, the other thing is when I work with an athlete and I can see that they really get it, they're willing to try something different, there is no better feeling than thinking there's something you can't do and then you go do it, right? Right, right, no. I and, love that. And have, yeah, and have them try that. And so to me, that's the greatest joy is to watch them think, I can't do this. I can't shoot a three. Well, you can't, you can't shoot a three when the coach doesn't give you the green light. That's for sure. You got to have the yep. ultimate green light. Keep shooting. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And I tell them to not be afraid of failure because mistakes are just data. I mean, I've made some doozies, but I learned a lot from my mistakes. I'm not afraid of failure, but I am afraid of succeeding at things in life that don't matter. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, so what? I got, I beat somebody, you know, on the freeway. I got ahead of them. R- really? That, that doesn't matter. Right. You know, decide what really matters. Well, you, you brought up an interesting point. We were talking, uh, you talked about, well, we we're just talking about the green light. I remember our son was had some offers for D3 and basketball. And I remember going, we went to visit this one school. And the coach, when one of his players would miss a shot, would turn and scream their name probably seven times. I mean, it was like eight. I mean, we lost count. And, you know, and I could see my son's eyes get big like, oh, my gosh. And then we walked out. He goes, if he scre- yeah. he'd scream my name every time if I missed, like, you can't have that. So uh, yeah. I, I get that. I, it, tell me, I want to jump to this now. Okay. I, I love this. I, I'm, I'm going to read something that, was sent, that you sent to me because I, I, the last thing you said here is something that I'm interested in. Your responsibilities, uh, part of your job description back at, uh, in Virginia, you, you taught mm-hmm. people how to manage a case. From inception yes. to completion, this included teaching students all paperwork involved, investigative techniques, execution of arrest warrants and arrest, and this is what I love the most, and testifying in court. Yes. Tell me about that, and then get me to the end how important the testifying is. Is there an art to it? D- definitely, because there. Well, I'll share with you my first experience um, at uh, moot court, which is what they put you through to sort of practice, you know? Right. And they bring in really, really tough attorneys. So I was on the stand, and the very first question that was asked is, Agent Woosley, (laughs) what exactly makes you so special? Wow. That's a nice question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm flabbergasted because I'm expecting to to ask something related to the case. And that was his tactic, is to throw me off, to get me, you know, to get me anxious right off the bat. It's like, oh, all of a sudden I thought I was prepared and now I'm not. Right. And, And to be able to keep going, because when you testify... You know, there are lots of things. You teach them to answer one question at a time because the defense attorney is going to put, like, four questions together, and you tell them, it's okay, answer one question at a time, and then say, could you repeat the other questions? Right. Student athletes. Yes. Uh, Having to cope with, first of all, you're there. You have to do well in school, and most of us aren't, you know, going to go – on to professional sports, right? So right. you got to be a student first as and keep your grades up and all that, but also be very productive in your sport. The juggle of that seems like it's almost impossible to be great at both uh, for most. You know, mm-hmm. how do you, does that become a, is that a hot topic with you guys when you're, as far as stress is concerned and anxiety on the student? Yes, absolutely, because Vanderbilt, as you know, has a pretty rigorous academic right, environment. Right, And And most of our, our student athletes are, you know, their athletic ability is in the top percentage of their class and often the top percentage of the country. 
But when they arrive, they start looking around and go, oh, whoa, everybody's good. Because they might have been the big man in Homa, Louisiana. But when they get here, it's like, wow, that guy's really good, too. So I teach them to, you know, or talk to them about that comparison is the thief of joy. Um, and to own, know what you're capable of and to remember that you're here to also continue to develop as an athlete. And also time management is a huge thing. The thing that most athlete, freshman athletes hate to give up are their naps. They have to learn when to nap and how to nap. It's funny, you couldn't no get them to nap when we, were, when we were little. None of us wanted to nap, and now we love That's them. That's right. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, yeah, just give me, give me a nap. So time management is tough. And, and also, um, being an athlete is very much like a, a mother may I. They're so used to asking someone for permission, a coach. You know, can I, may I do this? May I do that? And to teach them to be proactive with their academics. Go talk to your professor if you're struggling. Go talk to the TA. Go to office hours. You know, don't suffer in silence. We don't want them to wait till the middle of the semester and then go, I'm drowning. You know, I, I can't keep up. Wow. We, we want to know right away because we have a lot of resources here to help them. Right. And we're talking to Vicki Woosley, Dr. Vicki Woosley. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Hear the show Saturdays at 1, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Turkeys, whitetail, Grenada Lake crappie, or Gulfport redfish. We enjoy it all, especially when you're in camp with us on Super Talk Mississippi. Thousands of Bulldog fans have subscribed to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Have you? On each episode, Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman give you an inside look at your Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Thunder and Lightning podcast is free and available on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Thunder and Lightning on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thunder and Lightning from Supertalk Mississippi, covering the Bulldogs like no one else. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with Dr. Vicki Woosley here in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because that is how we roll. Something I've noticed with children these days, kids, you know, having conversation is the most beautiful form of communication there ever was. You know, feel, touch hearing emotion yeah. in people's voices and they don't have that. They have emojis. And I've talked about this with somebody recently on my show. How do you think that that's going to impact them in the long haul? Well, I, I think, and, and when I wound up my career teaching at the Bureau, um, social media was really getting big. And a lot of them were like, well, can't we do these interviews on the phone? I said, wow. no. Wow. <laughs> you have to get up out of your chair. 
go get in that car that they give you and go talk to that person in real life. They wanted to text time. the interview <laughs> right. via text. It's, can't they just send me this in, the, in an email? Because I, too, believe there's nothing, you know, time is currency. And even with my friends, that's the most valuable thing that they can give me is time. Right, right. The most valuable thing. And so I, I think that the athletes I work with, when they come in my office, that's their time. Most of them don't bring their phone, or if they do, they only bring it to put in our next appointment because they know that's their time. Right. And, and, and I'm listening to them. Can, can I ask and that's you? rare. Right, right. No, it's, it, it is rare. No, it is. I never thought about the importance of time uh, until you just said that. I think I value time. I think I've always valued time. But, but just hearing you say that takes it to a new level. Um, critics. I've been used to critics. Well, I, it took me a while to get used to somebody saying they didn't like something I wrote or recorded, right? Right. And now I'm, right. I'm totally, I'm 90% good. Uh, and I'll just take it with a grain of salt. But now, via social media, it's amazing what people will say about someone else. So it it's out there a lot more than, okay, I got a record project. I've got 10 great reviews and three bad ones, or I've got, you know what I mean? And you, and you learn to really yeah. love the good ones, you know? Yeah. And those are the ones, you know. But, but there's so much, I mean, everybody's got a platform now to say whatever they want. Uh, yeah. And if I see something, I don't know, I just block it. You know, I just, I'll yeah. do that. And it just, I'm, I'm over it. But for the younger generation, how do they cope with being criticized, especially athletes uh, that are in school and that are studying and to become something else maybe. Uh, and then all of a sudden you've got people that will say anything about anybody. You know, how do they uh, take that with a grain of salt? And learn to take it with a grain of salt. I think that's a tough one because essentially we're all vulnerable to what other people think of us. Um, someone told me one time that um, what other people think of you is none of your business. Hmm. And if we could all live that way, we might be better off. I suggest for our athletes that during their season that they get off of social media. They deactivate all their accounts. Because it can be so hurtful, and they say things about people that they don't know. I can be sitting in the football stands and hear people, fans around me, and I want to run down to the locker room and get a helmet and bring it back up and say, here, I'm going to put this on you. Now you get out there, and we're going to judge how you do. Right, right. Because recognizing, do you think those kids in the locker room are not going to go out there and do the best they can? Right, they're always going to do the best they can. So Absolutely. It just doesn't always work tell, out. <laughs> no. I mean, and sometimes success is defined by how you handle disappointment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, but and there's, and there's a whole lot more disappointment if you've taken on any sport or game or anything in life. There's a whole lot more disappointment than the happy days. So... Uh, and that's yes. what makes greatness to me. I mean, when you yes. can handle adversity and go through struggles. Yes. I mean, any yes. great story has to have struggle. Or it wouldn't be yes. a great story. 
There's no way. And we love that. Don't we love the oh, comeback story? Oh, come yeah. on. At Rudy Hoosiers, any underdog yeah. story, look at Tiger. look at Miracle Tiger now. That's why that's why it was the highest rated morning golf show in history. Because yeah. it wasn't just golfers watching, it was people that wanted to see could he overcome all of those obstacles. And yeah. he did. And he will continue yeah. to do it as long as his body holds up, I think, because his mind's his mind's back. And yeah. um, I love that. Well, hey, doctor, I can't thank you enough for taking an entire Mississippi minute plus some with me. You have enlightened me, and I hope know our listeners. Uh, I, blessings to you, and uh, I'm looking forward to physically meeting you down the line. And I want to thank my buddy Ned Michaels, who's been on our show as well. I, I want to thank him for connecting us. And uh, you have a great weekend, and uh, I appreciate you spending uh, all 60 of them with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes, Ned Michaels is a great guy, and I hope we do meet in person sometime. We will. All right, have a great weekend and blessings. Okay, thank you so much. All right, we've been with Dr. Vicki Woosley. We've been in the Mississippi Minute on Super Talk Mississippi later on. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. If Alexa's part of your life, you've got one more way to access Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi is now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Once enabled, just say Alexa Play Super Talk Mississippi at any time and start listening. It's that easy. Just one more way to stay informed and connected with your state. Learn more at supertalk.fm slash Alexa. Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.